Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. Take what you have and fertilize it. Let the things that you've worked so hard to get be the center of your world. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on the house. Are you ready to level up? The Pineapple Post is launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday and packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help. Sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you'll check it out. The pandemic didn't pick favorites. For each small independent restaurant that is shut down, just as many celebrity chefs have lost everything. But they'll be fine. I'm sure they're sitting on piles of money, right? Wrong. When the fundamentals of an entire industry are broken, every participant at every level suffers. Chef Brooke Williamson has reached the pinnacle of what our industry has to offer and is successful by every metric. In sharing her story with you today, I'm hoping to show that the view from the top looks a lot like the view from where you're sitting today. I never actually had a plan to get there specifically. I just know what I love to do and I love the industry. And that was just sort of a natural progression and an evolution of my career to continuously open places. There's a lot going on in my head at all times. My husband has different thoughts than I do. As a team, we kind of always wanted to do multiple things. And we kept finding opportunities to grow. And we always considered that as sort of the the natural progression of what we did. And part of that was because we were always very aware of the lifespan of restaurants and the need to continue to evolve in order to maintain relevance and kind of always have something to fall back on. Now, the longest running restaurant you had was 12 years, right? That was Hudson House, yeah, in Redondo Beach, which is currently in escrow. And then how many different evolutions did that restaurant have over 12 years? I mean, multiple, if you kind of just look at where it was when we started and where it was 12 years later, but only one real revamp in terms of menu and not even concept, but just a mini facelift that we gave the place when we re-signed another 10-year lease after 10 years. When you look back, what do you think you did right? When I look at Pro and Proper, the reason it was busy was because we always focused on the community. I wasn't really focused on tourism and travel, even though we were pretty close to the convention center. I always said, I just want to serve the residents in this area. And if they're interested enough in what we're doing, we don't really have to worry about business. 
I have to agree. I think first and foremost, we've always focused on our immediate community. We understand that those are the people that potentially come to us four or five, six nights a week. Those are the people that keep you in business. The people who drive across town for special occasions are great. And it's really nice to have the destination crowd as well. But I think first and foremost, if you're not focusing on and serving your immediate community, then it's only a matter of time before they move to something else. How did you build so much brand equity? You have a huge following on social media. Was personal branding always a part of the strategy? No, not at all. That didn't really even happen until I did TV. I love food. I love the restaurant community. I've always kind of had a bit of notoriety since I was 17, 18, 19 years old because I grew to a high position at a very young age. So I did get recognized like by the LA Times. But at the time, that's kind of the only way that you could get recognized. The world is very, very different now. And it's definitely beneficial to have that brand recognition. But that happened pretty organically. Fortunately, sort of right when social media started picking up, that's when I did Top Chef. And so I got a bit of recognition right when I signed up for Instagram, say, because I was on Bravo every Wednesday night. Well, I really kind of learned what the relevance of that was and the importance of that was and the ability to get information out to such a wide audience, whether it be local or national. I really saw how important that was. I saw a direct return on that. Now I understand how important it is. The reason I bring it up is because there are a bunch of people that have huge followings on social media that are unable to get asses in seats. And it's because they use it as a platform to have a one-way conversation. Whereas I think you've done a great job of building community through the internet. Can you talk about that strategy? Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand what the point of having followers is if you're not engaging with them. If you're not taking what they feel and think into consideration, then what's the point in communicating with them? You're talking at them rather than with them. And I think that having a continuous conversation with your followers and with your guests really has a tremendous amount of importance, right? Those people are the ones who make you successful in anything that you potentially decide to do. So having that sort of open line of communication and having people understand that what they say to you is heard, I think that there's so much importance to that. One of the reasons that your message translates so beautifully is because it's not just about food. When I look at your social media presence, it's about health and well-being and you're documenting your life for people to see. And it seems like there's real interest there. Yeah. And I think that Part of why there is real interest there is because I don't pretend to be somebody that I'm not, right? I'm a messy person. I have many flaws and I'm not scared to show those because I think that that really is what makes me approachable, right? It's not even just being able to have a conversation with me about something that you don't like at my restaurant that I've done that you want to be heard. I want to hear you. But I also want you to understand that there's no such thing as perfection and I would never claim to be that. So I think that sort of showcasing my life as a whole is part of what makes me approachable. There is a level of fitness that I need to maintain to do my job well. There is a level of travel that adds to my knowledge to make my product what it is. And I think the big picture is really important. 
Well, and I also think that human approach translated to the op-ed that you wrote for the LA Times. That was a very raw portrayal of where you are. Yeah. And the fact that it's an op-ed means that I can give my opinion and that's all I ever claimed to give. Again, I'm not talking at people, I'm talking with people. And I was actually very unaware of how little people knew about the story because being in the industry on a daily basis, we hear the story from our coworkers, from our entire industry daily. We hear what's going on. We hear the struggles. We hear just how difficult everything is for everybody. But I think that that story has been told by the government. That story has been told by the news. That story has been told by a lot of people, but it maybe hadn't been told by someone like me. And I think that hearing it from my perspective was something that people hadn't necessarily heard. As I was writing, I was like, I'm not writing anything that everyone doesn't already know. But it was kind of a shock to me when it came out how many people wrote to me and said, thank you for telling the story. I had no idea what you guys were going through. Blew me away a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's to hear your story, to hear that you went from four restaurants to one, Tom Colicchio has come out and said that this empire he struggled to build over the course of the last couple of decades, it all crumbled in a matter of months. And people think that people with a higher profile are doing better in this moment when everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have sent me comments, just as many positive and reassuring comments that I get. Not Maybe not just as many, but there are definitely a handful of people who just don't get it and see a very skewed reality of who we are because they see our faces on TV. And I leave all of those negative comments up because I want people to understand that people see things differently. Just as I am one to tell a story, who am I to block someone else's comments on my story? But yeah, I mean, I think that people see me as a successful restaurateur. What does that even mean? And I think that a lot of people don't understand the tight profit margins of restaurants and how profit can turn into red overnight. And it did. And literally the glaring statistic of what everyone is talking about, how 75 to 85% of restaurants, if this continues the way it is, will shutter over the course of a couple of months. And here I am, I had four and now I have one. And that happened really quickly. And I'm one person. I mean, it's my husband and I, but we're one little team who are just proving that statistic. I think it's really important to show people that my life is a very fragile thing. And I entered this industry 100% knowing that. My husband and I have lived paycheck to paycheck our entire lives. We don't have a savings. We don't have an in-case-of-emergency fund. But yet people, as of January, considered us successful restaurateurs with a small empire of restaurants. That's a quote. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that all needs to be sort of looked at from a different lens a little bit and seen in a sense that we do this because we love the industry. And that's really the only reason to do this. It's interesting because there's this ambivalence that comes from the general public in the way that they look at restaurateurs and they think that we're all rich while simultaneously they readily accept that failure is just baked into it. They read sure. the trades. Yeah, right. They see that restaurants close all the time. Oh, this restaurant was open for six months and it closed. So yeah, they it's know it's hard, but then they also think we're rich. Yes. Ply Provisions has for years been able to sort of squeak out that slim profit margin, which is not easy to do. But 
On the other hand, we funded the place with a small number of investors to help us with a down payment for an SBA loan, which we not only had to put up our house for, but our other restaurants for. And so, yes, we're selling Hudson House for basically the net worth of a liquor license. But anything that we potentially might have taken had we not owed vendors and so forth would go straight back to SBA. We're fortunate enough to own most of our restaurants without a huge number of investors. And a lot of my friends look at me and say, like, you're so lucky you don't have investors. But it's kind of a catch-22. Yeah, sure. We own most of Playa Provisions. Actually, the bank owns most of Playa Provisions for another eight years. But there's a tremendous amount of risk that we take in order for that to happen. If we lost our restaurant, we would lose our house as well. Well, and I think there's a larger conversation that we needed to have as an industry. I'm sure you're looking at other restaurateurs saying, I can't wait until I get there. But most of the industry is looking to you and saying, man, I can't wait to end up where she is, not realizing that we're all kind of swimming in the same toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And here I am semi-grateful that I only have to worry about one restaurant right now. That's my silver lining right now is that I can now only worry daily about one place instead of four. In hindsight being 2020, when I look back on Pru and Proper and the way I ran it prior to the pandemic, there's obviously a lot I would change, a lot that I've learned in terms of streamlining, leaning out operations, really trying to get down to the core of what I was trying to do for a living. Have you had those aha moments? When you look back, what is it that you would change about the way you ran those restaurants, if anything at all? I don't know if it's so much about the way that I ran them. I think that we've always done a pretty good job of how things were run. I think it's more the perception of what success really is. And I think that that has changed a lot post-pandemic. And honestly, like I said, yeah, it's a bit of a stress relief to only have to worry about one place, especially right now. But I also feel like Maybe I had become a bit complacent about the quality of the product that I was putting out. And maybe depending on that national recognition to remain relevant a little too much because the restaurant were sort of always busy. And I was always thinking about menu changes, but I don't know, even down to knowing the needs of the staff. And there's only so much that two people that are in charge of four restaurants can really do we had to lean on other people a lot. And while I understand that that's part of growth and there's a certain amount of letting go that you have to do in order to grow as a business, but I don't know that I want to let go that much. I got into this business because I loved giving people an experience that they could remember or being something that the neighborhood could depend on. And there's something about just doing one thing really well instead of four things sort of well, that has become much more attractive to me. So there's this reoccurring theme, show after show after show. It's this idea of going wide versus going deep. I talk to so many restaurateurs that are like, I wish I didn't have five locations. I wish I had one and just kick the shit out of it. When you look at this present moment, now that you are down to one, and it Mm -hmm. is big and beautiful. And you have the ability to do so many different things out of that space. Yeah, I think that's what's so attractive to me about the one location that I have left is that there's so much room for growth. 
within those four walls that have been open now for almost seven years is that it's kind of an ever evolving foursome of concepts. We have an ice cream shop, we have a cafe with grab and go sandwiches and salads and pastries, and we have an incredible pastry team and We have this whiskey bar that hasn't been open since March that I'm so excited to sort of revamp and get going again. And a seafood restaurant that feels very approachable, but also has the space to be so much more. So the fact that I do have the ability to go so much deeper and be so creative within that one space is definitely a bonus. I don't know that I would feel quite as satiated if it were one very linear concept where the menu doesn't change consistently. But there is always room for growth, even within one concept. And I kind of have four concepts built into one. So I think that I will not feel stunted for a while. Well, and there are all of these new revenue streams. When you look at farmers market boxes and virtual cooking classes and everything we can do with retail now and cocktails to go. It just seems like the idea of a restaurant has become far more expansive, but it doesn't really need to confine itself to one physical space. Even like you said, just with the cocktails to go, in the last few months, we've started canning cocktails. There's so much research that needs to go into just a concept like canned cocktails. We're kegging the cocktails, we're carbonating them, It's kind of a whole industry in its own. And people have really taken to it. We're across the street from the beach. Right now, you can come and pick up a canned cocktail and go down to the beach and have a drink. It's something that we never thought would be a scenario. And yet, it's something that we're proving to be very good at. We have a little retail space in our cafe and paring that down and becoming more focused even in little retail shop. Yeah, there are so many exciting things that we can do that aren't even necessarily quote unquote restaurant related. So when you look forward, what does everything look like in 12 months for you? Oh God, how am I supposed to know what it's going to look like in 12 months when I could never have imagined where we would be 12 months ago? For me personally, there are certain things I've decided I'm just not going to go back to. I'm not going to work 80 to 100 hours a week. I'm going to spend a lot more time with my family. I'm going to focus on health and well-being. These were not conversations I was having with myself at the end of February, right? Yeah, health and well-being. I agree. I was just talking to my husband about this a couple of days ago that in the last year, the amount of time that I've been able to spend at home versus flying across the country has been so incredible. And not being tired all the time and not pushing myself to do more than I'm potentially capable of doing well. Yeah, I think it has streamlined my thought process on the importance of certain things. I don't ever want to get to a place where I am exhausted or complacent about doing things well. That is not what got me to where I am. And that's not ever a philosophy that I have preached. So I think that needing to look at the bigger picture of taking on an event, I don't need to travel just to travel anymore. Like right after I did Top Chef, I got offered a lot of stuff in a lot of different places in the country. And I hadn't done a lot of traveling because that's not what you do as a chef. But suddenly I was in this position where I was able to go to New Orleans for two days to do an event. And one of those days I'd explore the city. And as much as I love exploring new cities and seeing different styles and techniques. And I do believe that that adds to who I have become. 
I also think that there is a price that you pay for excessively running herself down. There's a price that I would pay within the little world that I've created for myself that I felt like was so important, right? There's being a mother, first and foremost, to my son, who gets very different parenting from me than he does from his father. There's businesses, there's health. There's so many things that I was just sort of doing. I was getting by. I was doing everything okay. I was handling it. But I don't feel like over the past few years, when I've just run myself down and I just feel like, why do that to yourself? Why not take what you have and fertilize it? Let the things that you've worked so hard to get be the center of your world. At the end of the day, I think it's about leading an intentional life. I can only speak for myself in saying the massive expansion that we saw as a restaurant group. A lot of that was life happening to me, not me happening to life. Opportunities being presented, me seeing it as part of a path forward. But I set the path for myself at 30 years old. Mm -hmm. I didn't know shit about shit at 30. So the fact that at 40, I hadn't revisited that was an issue. And at 40 going into 41, the pandemic hits. And I see myself losing this and that and the other thing. And some of the things hit me like a ton of bricks. Some of the things I was devastated to lose. And shockingly, some of the other things, not so much. I wasn't that upset about it because through losing so much so quickly, I was really able to distill out what mattered, what was meaningful to me in my life. And so when I hear you talk, what I'm hearing is, is that you want to move forward with more intention. That's exactly what it is. The things that are important to me right now, first our family. And if I can't be a present parent and a role model for my son, then what am I doing? I think everything I do at this point has intention. Everything that I decide to take on, I weigh the benefits versus the drawbacks. Is this going to make me tired? Yes. Will it be temporary? Yes. Is this going to advance me in a direction that's important? And is it worth the level of exhaustion or the time away from my business. And I weigh those in a very different way now. It's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have anything you'd like to say to the restaurant owners and operators listening? I am so grateful to have a voice in this community. I'm so grateful to be a person that people are even interested in getting information from. I'm so grateful to this community for supporting me and allowing me to follow my dreams for over 20 years at this point. And I just hope to continue to be that person for many more years, regardless of the number of restaurants that I have. And I think we're at a place now where we're all in the same mindset of more isn't necessarily more. So hopefully we can continue to support each other to do less better to look back on this year and understand that lifestyle and health and wellness and mental wellness, physical and mental wellness are just as important. Just because someone doesn't want to work an 80 hour week doesn't mean that they aren't the most passionate about this industry that they've ever been. And to love and respect and support each other as much as possible because we are our largest supporters. And I think we'll forever be those people to each other. And we need each other more now than ever. 
That's Chef Brooke Williamson. Be sure to follow her on Instagram using the handle Chef Brooke W. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our other content, or read our daily publication, go to fullconf.media. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.